B-Pod Studios. This is Talkin' Rock. Talkin' Rock. Your backstage pass to some of your favorite rock artists. Here's your host, Meltdown. As I record this coming up on the weekend, I thought I would give you guys three interviews. Normally two is more than enough for most podcasts, but this isn't any podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for uh, checking it out. Uh, not only do I have two rock stars today, and, uh, you know, Josh from Bad Flower, as well as uh, Wyland from A Killer's Convention. I've also got James Murray, otherwise known as Murr, from Impractical Jokers. He's got a new book out, and it's a super fun conversation. So we'll tag that one at the end. We'll talk with uh, Wayland coming up here in uh, just a few minutes. But first, we'll start with uh, Josh from Bad Flower. Their new record is out today. This is how the world ends, as it's called out today by what I mean by September 24th on a Friday, as I post this uh, podcast. But I got in touch with uh, Josh over the... um, over the Zoom, I'll tell you what, Bad Flower is a cool band. They're just a, a straight-ahead, four-piece rock band. Josh wears his emotions on his sleeve. This is our second record, uh, self-produced, and, and a lot of cool things uh, coming out with this record. So let's talk with Josh and see what he's all about. As I was uh, connected with him on Zoom, and I wasn't sure if he was at home or on the road or where he was. I don't know what city I'm in, actually. What city are we in? <laughs> Caucus, New Jersey. We're in New Jersey. Okay. We're right, right as we played New York last night, so we're, we're in New Jersey, right outside New York. Yeah, you excited? The new record uh, drops today. It's got to be a fun time, huh? Yeah, we drank a little too much last night. Well, it why not? Good. Yeah, why not? Exactly. So well, let's talk about the uh, record. This is how the world ends. And I see that you guys produce this record. It's a little more raw. Now, see, I thought your last record was really raw as well. You think this one's raw-er? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I haven't had a chance yeah. to listen to it, so what makes this one more raw? I know that you, you guys said that you know you, you were using first and second takes as, a, as opposed to polishing stuff. Yeah, and, and lyrically, it's even more raw, I think. It, it's, it, in every, every sense of the word, it is. And yeah. why, why did you guys uh, decide to produce this one y- yourself? I made that decision. I think we all made that decision towards the end of making the first album. And even the producer on the first album was like, you're definitely going to make the next one yourself. And he's like, and you, and you should. Because I, I was such a control freak when we were working on that first one. And I, and I, t- I'd like, and I struggled with um, working with a producer. Why is that? As much as I loved him, and he, and he had, like, he was such a huge part of that album. That album wouldn't, wouldn't have been anything if it weren't for him. But I knew that there was, like, a different direction that I wanted to take things. I actually wanted things to be less... I guess radio sounding. Yeah. And if, and if radio wanted to pick it up and play it, like that was, that would be amazing. But I, I I definitely didn't want to cater to that. And I felt like now that we were already established, we could really just follow our intuition a little bit more. And, and, uh, and that's what we did. I mean, we followed it completely and there was nobody in the room, but the band to, to tell us what we should or shouldn't do. Now, when you guys write these songs, are all you guys together? Are you pretty much the band leader and then y'all kind of to to follow, follow you? Um, we have moments where we're all together and then moments where I just take it and and, uh, and, and do vocals and lyrics and, and fine tuning and sort of like arrangement ideas. I usually like present ideas to the band. And then, um, yeah, I think it'd be for one, it'd be too expensive for all of us to be like in a big room doing that for a long time. So a lot of it's just like bedroom work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. And so with doing this yourself, what were the challenges? Did you, was it easier? Was it harder than you thought it was going to be? It was extremely hard. Yeah. 
uh, it was extremely hard because it's so, I was so close to this music. Um, and having deadlines is, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, I haven't figured that out yet. Like I realized that that's part of this job is, is not only like creating music, but it's creating music and hitting deadlines so that you can release them when you have tours coming up and, and that's how things are supposed to roll. Uh, I'm not good at that hmm. at all. So I'm, I, and I'm still not good at it. I don't know that I'll ever be good at it. And I also said towards the end of this record, like I'm never doing this again. I'm never self-producing again. But when it comes to the next record after this, I'll probably take on even more responsibilities. <laughs> what more? I'll be like, all right, more? well, I'm mixing and mastering this one too. Like, yeah, this yeah, is that. yeah. There you go. No, that's uh, that's awesome. So, so did this record turn out uh, as you heard it in your head? Yeah, yeah, like dead on. Really? Yeah. And I, I, and like I said, I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing yet, but I heard that there's, there are parts of it that were not screw-ups, but maybe just, uh, you know, it's funny because I was, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like there's some Led Zeppelin songs with some screw-ups here and there, and it's like it kind of, yeah. uh, it kind of makes the record real. Right. Yeah, th- there were moments, like, there were moments when I didn't have all the lyrics written. There's one of my favorite songs in the album called Only Love, where I didn't have all the lyrics written, but I had, like, the start of, like, I had the first couple lines that I knew I liked and I knew how I wanted to deliver them so I just pressed record and started singing and I ended up continuing the whole part just on the top of my head like whatever came out and I kind of stumble over certain words and it's not perfect and it's a little bit like shaky and pitchy but it's such an emotional song that like when I got done with it and I listened back to that take it's like I'm leaving that (laughs) I'm leaving that like in its entirety that's exactly that that, that's it Uh, why why touch it like let me add a harmony here and there and then be done yeah, I haven't heard and, uh, that song yet, but I'm interested to hear what that sounds like. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, it's that that one's one of the sweeter, more emotional um, sort of heartbreak songs on the album. Yeah, yeah, that's a heartbreak song. But I did hear "Family," and that's a real uh, well, I would say a heartbreak song. But that's like it's kind of a song that I can relate to as well. For the for the first 15 years, you're the favorite son. For the last 15 years, the hated one. I mean, I kind of get those lyrics a little bit. I mean, I grew up in a great family. I'm not you know complaining or nothing. And I asked you last time if you what your mother thought of some of your lyrics and stuff. So what did your parents think of this record? Have they heard it? Uh, I haven't talked to them yet. No, and and they they hadn't heard the record. But I talked to them before Family came out. I had a big. Um, I reached out to everyone in my family. <clears throat> and that and that was actually I mean that's what the song is about is how difficult it is just to pick up the phone and call them um and it ended up being so much easier than I thought it was and I could have thrown the song in the garbage right then and there like oh, I'm over it I don't need to put this song <laughs> um but no they were all really supportive and, and understanding and I mean also like the music video for the song they were they're in it it's like home home video clips of, of me and my family. So it was like very, very personal. And I don't know what that's like. Like if I, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, but I had a family member who kind of put their life on display like that. I, I know that's gotta be like weird for them. So. Yeah. How many, I, how I, many kids, I, how many kids are in your family? I have two sisters. Yeah. Yeah, and one and one of my sisters now just had a baby, so I'm now an uncle. Okay, well, congrats, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So your your parents have come out and seen you play live. I take it, right? <clears throat> yes. So yeah. What do they think? They love it. Yeah, I mean, my 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 all, my whole family are huge supporters. Like they've always been huge supporters. My dad's our biggest fan. Well, that's got to um, help, right? No, 
It doesn't. <laughs> it makes it harder. Yeah, it, it makes it it makes it harder when I'm I'm in this like really weird state and trying and like I guess detaching from all of it and then I don't know. There was a big moment of realization when family was written that it was that was all my doing. Like whatever these feelings were, like they they are supportive. They want to be in my life. They want to support, and they're great. What's wrong with me? Why why is that so hard for me to accept the the support and and love from people? who are closest to me, who know me most, but I'm still analyzing it and figuring it out. And I should probably see a therapist, but I'm way too busy doing interviews with you people. So <laughs> I'll, I'll be your therapist. You're on a couch practically. So you might as well just stay. I, I, this actually feels, I'm on a, it's a hotel couch, but it feels kind of like a therapist couch. <laughs> so did you guys uh, relocate for this record as well? So some of you guys went to Nashville. It wasn't for the record. I mean, I, I relocated, uh, just I just moved. I moved just out because, of L.A. And, yeah. and all of us used to live in L.A. and we're all out now. How did that affect uh, your writing or your or your perspective on the world? Um, It didn't. No? No, because like I, I, I'm a I write within walls like I don't when I'm in writing mode, I'm I'm not very social. I don't go out and see anybody. I don't like. So COVID didn't even affect me that much. I was like, that's what I was doing anyway. I was isolating. It was just. I'm isolating in, in a random room in, in L.A. or a random room in, in Nashville or in Tennessee and ended up being in a barn in Tennessee. But it didn't really make a difference. <laughs> yeah. How are you liking the farm life? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my only hobby outside of creative stuff. Like the only thing that I do that I enjoy that isn't creative is is riding a tractor around <laughs> and like and riding a little lawnmower, too. And cutting the grass like that has been my biggest form of therapy is if I'm like, I feel like it's too intense, like the, all the, the, the creative life, whatever it is, I'll just go make circles, go make circles, <laughs> cut that lawn. It's so good. Yeah, I have a lot of friends down here and I have a feeling that, you know, you you just moved to Nashville, right? Recently. Yeah. So it really hasn't had a chance to really affect you yet. But I have a feeling that maybe the next record will sound way different than this one doubtful no okay all right i'm not a fa- i don't think my location affects me at all because i've been in both it's, those cities and there you, you couldn't get two opposite ends of the world it seems like yeah not so much now i think i don't know when was the last time you're in nashville uh in uh march and i'm going to be there this weekend next weekend. okay so you're so you're, so you're there frequently yeah. i mean it's not i mean where i live I don't live in Nashville. Right. I live in Southern Tennessee. So that is complete opposite to, to Los Angeles. I feel like Nashville's becoming sort of Los Angeles. Yeah. Not that different. Um, but, but yeah, I live, I mean, I live in, in like a tiny little farming town. It's, it's not what you would expect. It's not Nashville. And I love that it's the opposite. And it, no, I don't think it's going to affect the songwriting at all. No, see, I'm I- more affected by what, by like the energy of the world and like the way, I don't know. Not my location has very little to do with it, like where I where I actually am. Now, see, I'm a small town farming kid as well, and I live in a small town in a farm, and I grew up in, with one as well. And it's like uh, you talk about the energy of the world, and the energy of the world is way different in a small town farming community than it is in a hustle and bustle Los Angeles. That's, I guess, why I brought that up. Yeah, but I'm but it's not like I'm so connected to the internet. Like I have the, <laughs> like the rest of the world right on my phone right there, and so that's what's informing me more so than what's. You know, I'm I actually maybe maybe there's something to be said about that. Like I'm not creating with any inspiration of, of what's directly in front of me because maybe that's like my own piece. Mm-hmm. Like I, det- I, I that's detached from Bad Flower or from songwriting or from whatever. It's like this is just my time. This is my thing. 
And, uh, and as soon as I'm tapped into this phone, it's like, now I'm, now I'm tapped into this greater conscious and I have to create art around it or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Last time I was in March, uh, when I was in Nashville in March, I hung out in Nashville for a few days and then I went down to Prospect, Tennessee for a party. So I don't know if you know where that is. That's like small town country. That's almost right by Alabama. Yeah. I I think I, I, I've heard of prospects. Yeah. It's probably not far from where I live. Yeah. There you go. So uh, speaking of uh, COVID, like you were, what was it like to get back on stage for the first time after uh, after being off stage for so long? It was amazing. It was great. We didn't get any rehearsal the first time we came back. It, we just just did it, and it was awesome. Yeah, you, you missed it. You, do do you miss that? Um, do you miss that adulation or connecting with the fans? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time, the first time I heard a crowd of people since the pandemic, uh, sing lyrics back, like in a giant group and everyone in unison singing the same thing. I cried like a baby on stage. It just, it was, it felt so like tribal and necessary and something that that everybody had been deprived of for so long. And and it was like really, really powerful. And it's funny because it's such a simple thing. You go out to watch a concert and all of a sudden it's like, it's taken away from you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's such an easy thing that makes people feel good and gives them a certain energy as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 a neglected form of therapy for a lot of people too. Yeah, it's it's an important thing. Yet it's when something like this happens, it's the first thing to go. That was a big. That was something big that we learned. Like, oh, our 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 careers are uh, are very mortal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> This is not forever. Like we we've got to stay humble about this and and be smart because something bad happens in the world and we are the first to go. Right. Yeah, it was a tough uh, tough year and a half, but things seem to be getting back to normal here. But uh, the new record is out. This is how the world ends. I wanted to ask you real fast uh, before we close up about three records that came out today, thirty years ago. What are your thoughts about uh, their Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soundgarden? I mean, those records pretty much changed everything. Came I didn't out know all 30. three of those came out. Yeah, today, yeah, 19, 1991. I, I played all of them when they were brand new because I'm old. But uh, how'd those records <laughs> affect you? All three of those records are amazing. Like, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've influenced all of us, I think, in, in various ways. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if that's, um, I don't know, I wonder if that's a good thing that our album it comes out 30 years later or a bad thing. <laughs> like, is, like, is it possible that we're going to have the, the like 30 years from now, they'll be saying that about our record. Maybe like, who knows? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, those records came out of nowhere, especially like Nirvana and Soundgarden and the Chili Peppers had already kind of been out a little bit, but I was just telling Jade yesterday, I remember playing Outshine for the first time. I'm like, this is unbelievable. It's like one of those songs you just hear the first time and it just hits you like a brick in the face or something, you know? Yeah. Well, you should play Stalker off our new album. Stalker? Okay. Yeah. I was listening see to it. See if it does for you what Outshine did all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I got to get a copy of the new record. Like I said, just dropped today, so I haven't had a chance to dig into it. I did hear a little bit of it, but I, I was this morning getting a workout and listening to the last record, and I just love that record so much. It's so raw. you know. And, of course, I'm a vinyl guy, so I drop it on and I walk away, but that I think that record's pretty killer, man. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, listen, have a, have a safe tour out there. Of course, uh, stay safe and all that kind of stuff. And I guess we'll see you here in the Motor City in a few days. This is how the world ends uh, drops today. And uh, we appreciate your time as always, Josh. Cheers. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for playing us so much. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Up next, it's Wylan Rivas from the band A Killer's Confession. Now, uh, he was uh, most known for Mushroomhead back in the day. Now he's got this band called A Killer's Confession, uh, which we'll talk about Mushroomhead. We'll talk about uh, the new band. But uh, he couldn't mention this at the time when we were recording this, but it's been announced that they will be on tour with Struggle Jennings, as well as Tommy Vexed, of course, formerly from uh, uh, the band uh, Bad Wolf. So anyways, uh, he couldn't really mention that because it wasn't announced yet, but it has been announced, so you could check them out if they come to a city near you. Here's Waylon Revis today from A Killer's Confession on Talking Rock. Everything is good. How are things with you? Everything is okay. Uh, you guys had a, a big festival appearance over the weekend, didn't you? Yes, we did. We uh, we were at the Incarceration Festival. The weekend before that, we were at uh, uh, Metal in the Mountains, and uh, now got a little bit of a time off. And uh, tomorrow, we're announcing our next tour. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds like you've had a pretty decent uh, summer for 2021, considering everything that happened last year. Oh, yeah. This has been, um, well, everything changed uh, for AKC since last year. You know, it's like, I mean, as bad as the, the pandemic was, I think it was the best thing to happen for the band, if that makes sense to you. Um, I feel like it was a... It was a reset, to say the least. It gave the group a chance to, it gave us a chance to sit back, evaluate what we did, what we have done, and figure a new way to do it, if, if that makes sense. Like, we've not released an album, but we've released all these songs back to back to back to back to back, and it really has helped grow the band. Well, that's cool. Yeah, because a lot of, you know, I mean, obviously the pandemic, like I talked to tons of uh, musicians and it gave them a chance to kind of sit back, you know, reevaluate. Uh, some put out new music. A lot didn't. A lot sat on new music, you know, and, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys got the best of it. That's the thing. I, 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 it's like I released The Indifference of Good Men in October and uh, we had uh, we had a tour set up with Comby Christ and King 810. But I had to sit off the road until I think that February, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, I had this album that I had just dropped that I couldn't do anything with, and then nobody can go out, you know. So what do you do in that situation? Well, first of all, you get mad and you kick everything and you blame <laughs> blame the world and the universe, and then ten minutes later you're like, well, I'll just write another album. That's how you do it. You just, I had to let go and be like, okay, there's nothing I can do to change what's going to, what's happening, what's going to happen. So what do I do? I moved to Florida. I went to where it was sunny and set up my studio and wrote a brand new album and started releasing it as soon as I could. Really? Well, there, there you go. And I see that you do, you do quite a few collaborations. Obviously, I saw your pictures with, uh, you know, Chad Gray from Mudvayne and from over the weekend and stuff. But uh, it, how do you get some of these guys to collaborate with you? Is it just from the relationships you've made over the years? Well, Chad and I have a mutual best friend. And uh, she has been a friend of mine for over a decade. And her and, my, 
And she is like, she's such a close friend that, that she's really close to my, my wife, Amy, and she's really close with Chad, too. And like, Chad's like a big brother, and she's like, I got to put you two together. And uh, she's the one that kind of like, like sowed all those uh, seeds for us to finally meet. And, and now Chad and I are really close, and I love that dude to death. I mean, I absolutely love Chad. And uh, made a really good friendship out of it. But, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, our friend Amy is the one who made that happen. I'll be honest, uh, I, I like Chad a lot, too. And I'm super glad that he's back in Mudvayne because I really like that band. Oh, Mudvayne's awesome. Um, like, I was there. I, I, I was lucky uh, enough to be friends. Like I, like, I couldn't make friends with Chad at a better time. I'm not as a fan, yeah. and you know what I mean. Yeah, um, you know it's like I, I got to go backstage, and he's putting the makeup on, and being that I'm from Mushroomhead, and and I used to wear makeup, I could totally. And I looked at Chad, and I was like, Chad, I don't miss this at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed. He's like, man, he goes, I guess it's been a while. And he put it on, and I got the, I got that, I got that first look of what he was going to look like before the crowd got to see it. And I was like, this is awesome. Because, like, Chad and I, like, have a uh, vocal warm-up that we do together. And I was backstage with him warming up and uh, giving him some encouragement and, and, you know, you know, being just proud of him and then just being lucky enough to, to be where I was. I mean, that, that was awesome. No, that's cool. You know, you know, it's funny you mention that, you know, with the, with the whole makeup and everything. Uh, talk about, you know, when you were in Mushroom Head and stuff. That was, was it kind of a chore every single time you had to go on stage or was it something you looked forward to? I know the guys from Slipknot do it. There, you know, there's all these bands. Well, that's the thing. I, it became a chore. Um, you know, it was just that point where I was just like, I didn't want to do this. Because I mean, I would lose you know two two to three hours of my day every every day. Wow! You know, putting that makeup on, and you know, you got to think about the time before, the time to take it off, you know, and then you know when you wear the mask and the makeup and the heat and sweat and stains, and it's just like I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all, man. I, I like looking at pictures uh, of me in it and laughing and be like, oh, that was the days. <laughs> and then look at what I do now, and I'm like, yeah, this is a whole lot better. I just get to put a, I get to dress up and go out there and be me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, it, you know, Mushroom Head, I always, I always loved Mushroom Head. I, I don't know if I ever saw you guys. I might, I might have been at Harpo's once or something many, many, many years ago to uh, see you guys play. But, uh, man, that sun doesn't rise. That was like, uh, I just I just cranked that up so many times. Oh, dude, you know, when, when, when I, Shroom was a great place to be. You know, it was. I mean, it ended the way it ended. But, you know, when I can't take away how fun it was. It really was. It was a very fun thing to do. And, you know, it's like, I, I, do I miss it? Yes. Do I not miss it? No. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's a love-hate thing. But it's just a part of my life that was just so much fun. And you probably got some, you have to have a mushroom head tattoo somewhere, right? Nope. No, no. Oh, yeah, no. I do. I actually do. I do not have the face. I have my hummingbird tattooed on my forearm. Okay. And I saw your most recent tattoo. It says, don't cup the mic. Is that what it says? <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, that's so funny. It's like one of my friends has the, has the word bang on his trigger, trigger finger. It's like, you know, so, so why, why did you get a tattoo that says, don't cup the mic? Well, that was for a friend of mine, Kelly Tucker, who is from the Detroit area. He used to be my sound man, and he passed away. And he always said to me, don't cup the mic. Don't cut the mic, and that is a little tribute to him that I'm always thinking of it. Yeah, and of course, just good advice. It's great advice. 
But that's a tribute to my friend Kelly Tucker. Yeah. So, so where are you now? Are you down in Florida still, or are you in Ohio, or what are you doing? I'm in Florida. Okay. I live in Florida. I, I I'm home. I'm um, I'm I'm doing the interviews. I'm uploading some new music to be released for the rest of the year, and I'm moved on, and we're writing the next album. And then I'm going to fly back up to Ohio in uh, a couple weeks, and I'm going to help finish. Uh, my Sprinter van is up there, and we're turning it into a bus, and it's being customized on in, inside. So I'm 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 without my equipment and uh, and uh, vehicle. So I got to fly to uh, Cleveland, well, the Cleveland Akron area, and uh, go help finish up with that and drive it across the country. Uh, to where we're starting the next tour. Are you friends with any of the other Cleveland area bands? Like, uh, I don't know, just off the top of my head, like uh, Ripper Owens or Black Keys or any of these guys like that? Ripper Owens, I know Ripper. Ripper's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's like I, I knew a lot of guys back in the day, but I've kind of removed myself from any kind of, you know, I'm not being mean when I say this, but I remove myself from any kind of musical scene because uh, it just seems like the drama always follows you back. <laughs> and. And and it's nothing bad. It's just like I, it's just not who I am, you know. It's like I don't really want anything to do with it. I want to, uh, you know. It's like I want to hang out. And like I want to do the show and I want to see the fans. But as soon as that's all done, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in talking shop. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so to the point where I just want to be with my family and go eat a good meal. <laughs> right. Right. Well. <laughs> I'm always about a good meal as well. So you just mentioned uh, new music and stuff. Uh, any collaborations on, on some of the new stuff? We were just talking about that with, you know, with uh, Chad and whatnot. Any, anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, you've, you've done stuff with Monkey from Corn in the past too, right? No, Head from Corn. Oh, Head, I'm sorry. Head, that's but, right. Yeah, Head, yeah. Uh, you know, no, no, no collaborations as of right now. Um, I'm just preparing for next year with our new album. I've already got two in the can for next year and writing some more as we speak. I think I want to release six more songs next year. I've got another six I'm releasing this year with the next, like I'm, I'm setting up releases that are going to come out every couple of weeks till the end of the year. And everybody's going to be, we're going to finish up the album, which is called remember. And then I'm going to start my next EP, um, which I have a great name in mind, but I'm going to hold on to it for right now, but it's, pretty damn cool <laughs> <laughs> no that all right well that's cool so yeah is is that how you're gonna be is is that is that the world we live in right now as far as music is concerned where you drop a song here or there as opposed to when we were kids where you just drop a whole album <laughs> yeah nobody has the attention span for it anymore yeah and that's the honest truth um you give them everything at once they're done with it in two weeks yeah you make them wait on it and they'll stay interested it's just it's it's just the nature of the beast, and it works for your algorithm. It truly does. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, one final thing here for you, and then we'll uh, we'll let you get on your way here. Should the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame be in Cleveland? Yes. <laughs> Just yes. <laughs> and I'm gonna say it for for a reason. Okay. Radio Cleveland is one of the toughest cities to get over in. It really is. They don't put up. The fan does not. Um, if, you, if you're true and you're good, they'll let you know and they'll support you forever. If you're faking it and you suck, they're going to let you know. Back in the day, uh, uh, labels would send bands through Cleveland. If they didn't survive, they didn't survive. Right. If they did, that was your next hit. That's why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there. 
Well, growing up in Buffalo and spending now half my life here in Detroit, so I've kind of like uh, I'm kind of surrounded uh, the, the Cleveland area. But I know that you know the old, you know the famous story is when Rush broke with Working Man in Cleveland. You know, yes, and and you know Cleveland is like they, they, Cleveland's Cleveland's Cleveland. Don't 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 go don't don't be going calling it the mistake on the lake. That's <laughs> Cleveland. You know, that, and even though I'm in Florida, Cleveland's still home. Um, when AKC that calls a town home, it's Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio, is where AKC was born and raised. Those were the those were the hardcore fans were at. That's home. Well, like I said, uh, I grew up in Buffalo, and that's home to me. But when I'm in Buffalo, home is Detroit. It's weird how that works. <laughs> but I mean, like when it comes to the band, I know when I'm home. Like here, it's like it's like I have a home away from home, right? You know what I'm saying? But no, it's like, you know, like, it's just, you know, with the mushroom head history, Cleveland made me who I am. And uh, I thank them for that every day. And of course, when you came and played, when you came and played here with, with mushroom head and stuff, you're just talking about how the fans could spot, you know, BS from a mile away. When you played shows like at Harpo's and stuff, you, you had to have felt, felt that too. Oh yeah. That whole area. Like you don't play around. Like you get your, get, uh, get it together because they will know it. You know, it's like I remember I remember playing Harpo's and having the stomach bug, and I had the stomach virus, and I, we were doing the baby doll mask, and I sit there on the front of that tall stage with a bucket, mm. and gave everything I got to Detroit, and they knew I was sick, and I had so many emails and stuff after that show, and it was like a one-off for us. We were just doing a one-off, and I remember sleeping like because we drove from Cleveland, and I was with Skinny, and I was in the back of his SUV. He made me a pallet like to lay down on with a bucket. Oh. To get me to the show, and I was so sick. But you know, show goes on. The show must go on. We were, you know, I, I got on that stage and and uh, I sang. But I remember being sick as a dog. I mm. mean, I don't think I've ever been um, that sick and performed because I one time I did get sick where a doctor told me I couldn't perform, and that was in Columbus. And it only happened one time. I missed two shows, uh, and that was the only time that it ever, had ever happened. But if I had ever have a stomach bug or something. I would get on stage, and oh my god, that was just terrible. Yeah, I can imagine. Jeez. Hey, b- by the way, who are you named after? Waylon Jennings. I was going to say. Okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> I wasn't sure. My brother is Willie. Really? <laughs> I'm not even joking when I say that. Uh, I'm named after Waylon Waylon Jennings, and my dad. The only time I ever seen that man cry was the day Waylon Jennings died. He called me while I was in college, and he was sobbing, and I'm like. Who died? And he goes, your namesake did. And oh. I'm like, really? It's like, it's like your sister didn't die. You know, one of us didn't die. But when well, Jim died, you're going to cry. Wow. You love that man. And uh, it was just one of those things where I really learned how much my dad respected Waylon. And he loved him. And it's like, I'm named after him. So, because I remember on his deathbed, and bless my dad's soul, he, uh, he, he looks at me, he goes, I give you the greatest name in country rock and roll history. He goes, and you decide to sing that metal crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, he, he, he had to see you live in concert a few times, right? Never. Never? He never seen He never seen me perform, not one time. Really? Wow. Yep. You know, uh, Kid Rock's one of my buddies, and he's got one of Waylon Jennings' actual cars down at his house in Nashville. And it says the you know the WJ and the whole side of the side of it and, you know the in embroidered in like this this metal piece on the side it's really cool. Wow, 
I would love that. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah. If I, I'll, I'll, are you on Instagram? I'll have to DM you a picture of it. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Just find me. I got uh, the blue check. <laughs> gotcha. And, uh, and and last thing here for you, did, did you grow up in southern Ohio? No, I grew up in North Carolina. Okay, I was going to say, because you don't sound like you're from Ohio, but I have a friend of mine who's from Ohio. Well, so he says, but he's he's more towards Kentucky, so he sounds like you. Yeah, he's more like, he's more like Zanesville and, and, and below Dayton. Yeah. That, my accent comes in that, that area, too. But, no, I'm originally from Wilkesboro, North Carolina. And if you know anything about that place, that is where Thunder Road and right. NASCAR was born. Yep, for sure. I'm from there. I'm from bootlegger country. Yeah, are you are you a fan of any of that stuff? Uh, not really. No. I think it's too commercial now. I liked it back when they were on a half-mile track, and it was about the driving, and uh, now it's just all, you know, mile, two-mile tracks, and it's too commercial for my liking. I liked it when it was the Winston 500. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when you went away, you know, it's all beer and cigarettes, <laughs> the camel yeah. car. Yeah, the Winston Cup Series, yeah, back in the 1990s and stuff. So, Well, I'll tell you what, man, we'll keep our eyes peeled and our ears, ears peeled for some new music from uh, Killer's Confession, uh, AKC, as you call it, and uh, more concert dates coming up and uh, stuff like that. And uh, we'll have to touch base again next week, next year and let us know what's going on, okay? Well, thank you very much for having me today. Well, we got the rock covered on the Talking Rock with Meltdown podcast, hence the name. Wyland Rivas right there from A Killer's Confession and Josh Katz from Bad Flower. Up next is James Murray, otherwise known as Murr from the TV show Impractical Jokers. He's also an author and he's got a book out right now called The Stowaway. And it's about, it's a murder mystery on the high seas. Personally, I love cruises. So my first question to Murr was, why can't we have nice things? Well, you can't have not, you all, you know, COVID got rid of that. You can't have nice cruises anymore. But also when you read The Stowaway, which is about a serial killer on a cruise ship, you definitely can't have nice cruises anymore. No, I, I love cruise ships. And it's like now you're, you're like you're like you're like ruining it for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my, my goal when writing The Stowaway was literally just to ruin cruises for you specifically. <laughs> so there you go. I, I've achieved my goal. <laughs> there you go. You can you can stop all the other interviews and all the promotion. You're done with this. So uh, <laughs> So what's harder, writing a book or talking about it to delinquent, you know, derelict DJs throughout the country? No, you, you, yeah, I love talking to derelict, derelict DJs. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, the book is great. It, it's a lot of fun. I don't mind talking about it. Uh, and if, if you're interested out there, anyone, the book is uh, about a woman named uh, Maria Fontana, who is a juror on the trial of the century, this guy who's accused of being a serial killer and murdering a number of children. She can't bring it in herself to find him guilty. He goes free. Two years later, she's on a transatlantic cruise with her fiancé and kids, and they're three days in any direction from land. And halfway across the Atlantic, kids start disappearing on the boat in the same way they did during the trial, the information that only she knows. So she has to wonder, is the killer on the boat? Is it a copycat or something far more sinister going on? And she's the only one with the information on that case that could possibly have any chance stopping the serial killer before he strikes again it is such a good book it's a great page turner yeah it sounds insane and it sounds like it'd be pretty cool uh, as a movie as well boom that's the plan man i would love that it's a it'd be great yeah so um now you've done this before right or is this your first uh, uh foyer into like you know into into the, this kind of work no it's a you know what uh, this is my fifth book right uh, i had uh the awaken trilogy came out a few years ago that was like a sci-fi thriller then last year, Don't Move came out, which is a horror that's being made into a movie, actually, now. 
and uh, and then so we came out yesterday, last night, it's out this this week, and but you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. You can get the audiobook on Audible or anywhere audiobooks are sold. Or if you'd like a personalized copy of the book, go to meetmer.com, M-E-E-T, meetmer.com. I'll sign a copy for you and send it right your way. Now, uh, is this like, uh, are you really like super interested in some of this stuff, or is this a way for you to kind of get away from your stuff that people primarily know you for? You know, it's just a spin on what we do for a living. So the guys that I have in a practical Joker's Cruise, uh, you know, we would have like 5,000 fans join us in the Caribbean for a week on vacation. So... It's just the flip side of that cruise. What if it wasn't a comedy cruise? What if it was a horror cruise? That's all I do is I just keep taking things that the guys and I create and spinning into horror and coming up with it, you know, with a book on it. Well, now you, now you can kiss the cruise goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it's, trust me, it's not based in reality. The no, no, there's never, to date, hasn't been a serial killer on any of the Joker's cruises, and we've done four of them, four of them so far. Yeah, those cruises are fun, aren't they? Oh, man, it's a lot of fun. It, it, it's a lot of work. But it is so much fun. It's funny because I think the first cruise I went on was a Disney cruise. And so, of course, you're there with your kids. And my kids at the time were like uh, early teens, I think. So they were a little bit older and they could go off into the teen thing or whatever. But um, yep. every, every, you, know, you probably know how this works. But like every night, all the parents are sick of their kids. So what do they do? They go to the comedy place. <laughs> they go, you, yeah. know, you know, and then they have drinks and they watch the comedians. And it's always great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But it's also the flip side is it's also terrifying. Like the. Uh, Stowaway takes place, of course, on a transatlantic cruise, and uh, on a moonless night, man, you're looking into the abyss. You right. know what I'm saying? It, it is, it is claustrophobic. It's it's stifling. stifling. You feel um, like the ocean is weighing, praying down on you, and in the darkness is just enveloping the boat. It really can be scary. Yeah. Know? Once again, I really like cruising, so now you're kind of ruining it for me. <laughs> <laughs> again, I've achieved my goal. <laughs> By the way, my son is my my son is 18 right now, and he, he you know, for a long time there, he, I'd go downstairs, and he'd be watching your guys' show all the time. Just oh, loved thanks. it. You know. That was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> And now, of course, it lives on in rerun and you know all sorts of stuff. But uh, uh, so let's uh, let's switch gears just a little bit. Have you guys played live anywhere? Have you done any, uh, some live events? I think on on your Instagram, I saw some different things. But have you guys, as a whole, played live together? The the, the guys and I. Yeah, since the pandemic. Oh, got it. Since the pandemic, yeah, because we've been touring for eight years. You right, know? I, I know that, uh, but I'm talking about like since. Okay, so I interview rock stars primarily, and so it's like now the concert started coming back. So have you guys started to go back to live shows? We're trying to. We've been building the new tour for a few months. Uh, uh, locally, we do like these little secret kind of testing shows of material uh, in anticipation of building up to our arena tour, which starts at the end of the year. And, uh, and the, the, the tricky part for us is not the building of the material. The tricky part for us is every state has different things going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so there's no consistency in the arenas. But we are supposed to be going, starting our 40 arena tour starting this fall. We'll see. It's so, sick. so what is Sal going to do? Is he going to go out there in some sort of hazmat suit? Because he's kind of a germaphobe, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. He he's been stocking up on sanitizer for so many years <laughs> that when the pandemic hit, he had he had like a garage full of it. So he he he, he weathered the storm well. <laughs> you know, he was just. He was bathing in it every day. <laughs> I think I, I met him once. And he didn't want to touch anyone because he said he had a cold. But I don't know if I believe that. But <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, so now let me ask you about this because, uh, it, you know, obviously the show had a great run and stuff. But when do people start recognizing you? It, it, start, it, it already happens. Obviously, you know, we're shooting 
we start shooting soon again for a new season, and it, it happens a lot more, which is a good thing. It means that people like the show. But we look at us, though. We don't really look famous. We look like your pharmacist. Right. You know, <laughs> people come up and like, "You look familiar to me. Is my prescription ready?" That's what I get. I don't get. Are you are you famous? We look like the kind of guys you settle for. You know, we look like the kind of guys that don't cheat. In right. Conference. Because we're just lucky to have someone. <laughs> yeah, people people probably walk up to you all the time, snapping their fingers and pointing, right? Going, I know you. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. But it, it's a good problem to have. It really is. Yeah, no doubt. And the, the show is great. So you guys are, are you guys still shooting around New York or are you guys uh, go, going yeah, off? Well, you know, uh, since the pandemic, we, we shifted to mostly New Jersey uh, because we couldn't get into high rises in New York City. We couldn't, uh, because of COVID restrictions, we couldn't, literally couldn't have more than two crew members in the elevator at a time. And that doesn't work when you're trying to load in equipment into a building. So we literally, for the past year, have only been filming in Jersey. Right. You know? Now, now, of course, with uh, with this show and the, the fame that it's afforded you guys, uh, you know, I interview, like like I said, a lot of rock stars and stuff. Uh, like, give me a moment where, you where like, somebody, you know, that you recognize or someone that's famous, you know, you found out was a fan or watched your show. I, I thought it was a fan, or you mean I was surprised they were a fan? No, like, 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 let's just say Rob Zombie was in town the other day. Like, you went to a Rob Zombie show and he wanted to meet you guys because he's a fan or something along those lines. Well, I mean, gosh, uh, I'm trying to think. Q, Q got to Q. Q found out that Guns N' Roses was a fan. Went to the concert, got, got on stage and sang with them at uh, City Field. There you in, go. Uh, you know the old Mets, uh, you know Shea Stadium. Uh, and that that was amazing. I, I'm very jealous of that. We also heard that through the grapevine that Paul McCartney was a fan, oh. and uh, and a, a friend of ours had the number and texted him. He had worked with him for many years, and he confirmed. We saw the text. He confirmed that he was a fan, and that Q is his favorite, which was mind blowing. <laughs> Never got to meet him, but that 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 text was all we needed. That you know? is cool. Well, uh, thanks for your time, uh, Mer. Good luck on uh, good luck on the uh, stowaway. And it's funny because I was just on your IG a little while ago, and it's funny how you always mention your name because I wasn't sure whose IG I was on. But you're like, hey, everyone, it's Mer. <laughs> I, I, just in case, again, because most people think I'm their pharmacist, so I have to remind them who I get. You know. Anyways, uh, thanks for thanks for having me on the show, and uh, pick up a copy of Stowaway anywhere books are sold or on meetmer.com. Thank you, guys. Dude, sir, super fun talking to you. Thanks, man. You too, buddy. Take care. Murph from Practical Jokers, Wildland Rivas from A Killer's Confession, Josh Katz from Bad Flower. I'm taking the rest of the week off. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for checking out the uh, podcast. Uh, I do have some interviews lined up for next week. I say this all the time, but it's like I've always got hooks in the water. So if you get a chance, uh, subscribe, check back. Uh, just follow the podcast on Ample and iTunes and the whole thing. And uh, hit me up on my socials at Meltdown WRIF. I love talking rock and roll with you guys. I try to post like a question every day pertaining to rock and roll like for example on friday as i record this what's your favorite record to come out on this day (laughs) there was three of them released in 1991 of course the chili peppers blood sugar sex magic bad motor finger from outshine nirvana uh and then never mind record and then of course megadeth's holy wars which came out a year previous but i threw it in there just for fun so stuff like that so yeah follow me uh, on my socials at meltdown wrif and have a great weekend if you're listening to this on a Monday or something, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Talk and Rock with Meltdown. You can help this podcast grow by giving it a five-star rating and writing a review on Apple and iTunes. Plus, feel free to subscribe and share it with your friends. Until next time, thanks for listening to Talk and Rock.